Good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you very much for joining me again today. I hope you had a great weekend. Um, it was a beautiful sunny day today and going into a beautiful week next week. I hope you're all uh, re-energized and ready for a new week. And as promised, we are going to talk about Mecca. We have spoken about this city before. It is so important to understand this city. Uh, very, very, very important. And that's why I keep talking about it. I will repeat part of it, but I will go into the economics of Mecca uh, over the course of the last 1400 years. And we will uh, discuss the economic side of it. Uh, and so let's go get straight down to it. Uh, Mecca. If the Quran says that their prophet did not believe in joining groups, then why start a religion at Mecca? After all, it's a group, a religion. Um, I've written in previous, I've noted in previous chapters about the seismic zone of the Levant and the pandemics it generated. If the prophet of Islam was not uh, taking part in any violence, then what was he doing? Taking care of the sick in Mecca. But why? Remember people who are sick in ancient times were stigmatized and had to escape in plain, from plain sight. Mixing with the regular population, especially around trade centers, went against the purity laws that could get one killed. One was not even able to mention these places for fear of stigma and repercussions. So in any place in, in Arabia, after the birth of the Abrahamic religions, if if it was used by the sick and infected, would not be mentioned in any literature or traditions to avoid the devil as it was known then. That place had to have a water source to be away from any trade route and isolated so that no Bedouin caravan could get infected. A place where the remaining tribes would distance themselves from uh, a place where the remaining tribes would, uh, sorry, distance themselves from and for fear of contamination. There was, that was the encampment of Makkah, okay? Um, and there were several of these all over the Middle East. We have discussed this previously. Arabia was inhabited by various tribes and including from uh, about 3,000 years ago, biblical tribes that are Hebrews, Christians, nomadic people, and Islam, and finally Islam, who had since times gone by had leprosy colonies or encampments where people with the sick were sent in english they're called leprosy colonies what we call today as red zones so we have red zones during the covid it's the same thing back then an unfortunate place where people where, where the sick were taken away from gen from the general population to to get better or die in isolation guess which place is off the trade route my friends with absolutely no proof of trade or the slightest mention anywhere in any book it is the current city of Mecca. um guess who was the only per person taking care of the sick the man behind the title muhammad this section does not, is not to denigrate Mecca or Muhammad, but to tell you another story which will show you the ignorance of the people of the book, the general people of its time, and the Abrahamic mindset. Mecca is the most important concept in the whole of 3,000-year Abrahamic history of Arabia. 
So like I said, the, um, the geological zone uh, qualities of this area existed from 300 million years. Every generation, every civilization that, that came by had to deal with this um, because the sun hits the earth at different spaces every uh, within its precession cycle of 25,920 years. Different areas will become desert and the last 8,000 years it has been the turn of the Middle East uh, right from Sahara to Rajasthan in, in, in on the Indian subcontinent and unfortunately uh, people have to re-form uh, a hybrid or re-work um, their customs, their traditions, their style of living and, and surviving in this new land, arid desert, and their knowledge would also go along with the, the civilization, the era of its time. The last 3,000, 8,000 years they have no way of taking care of the sick in this area because civilization has disappeared. Um, and not only that, um, yeah, so they formed uh, red zones and these red zones what we call today are uh, in those days considered as makkas places where people who were cursed by God uh, uh, and sent to isolation these people were stigmatized and they had to be kept away from the trade route so as to not uh, contaminate the other uh, caravan merchants Muhammad or the man behind the title Muhammad being a descendant of ancient Hebrews would have known how to use an isolated place in the desert with ground spring water it's and, and its hygienic properties. He would have known it, it had to be isolated as a place where the heat was extreme enough to disinfect and kill any virus. So we see these COVID pandemics, the moment the sun comes out, the viruses drop because the heat uh, dissolves uh, the infection. And in the desert, you have extreme heat, so it's very good. Uh, he would know how to use this extreme heat typically, and so also the people, the elders and the ancients of this region would know how to use the heat to disinfect and kill any virus. The very fact that the Quraysh tribe was in Mecca means the previous generation of this tribe would have been infected themselves and had to move away from the Hijaj region, that is to Mecca for fear of stigma. What saved them was their Hebrew name. Or maybe they added, added it at a later date, thus letting people know that they, uh, that they had the laws of purity to heal and to be cured. So they could carry on their trade and commerce. Just as people uh, from the previous generations would have given their ancestors a helping hand, so also the chain continued. Muhammad, being the knowledgeable one, would have, have had no problem in offering his support without uh, asking for any power in return. Remember, in the desert, the basic law stipulated that you had to help one another and form the human chain to heal, except if you were the stupid people of the book. I'm very sorry, I apologize. All our ancestors have passed through this zone, and me being uh, ex-Christian, my ancestors were definitely at one point part of this group, and I look at them back, and and, and I just want to cry. Uh, but hey, it is what it is. The people of the book wanted nothing but to isolate themselves, as they were chosen from God, is what they believed and specially revealed his commandments of the Torah and ritual purity. The sick were considered those who did not submit to the laws of the Torah, and hence they had no intention of wanting to deal with them. They were stigmatized, they were cursed, and they were shunned into these Makkas, these leprosy colonies. Makkah is not mentioned in the Quran. The only concept of Makkah is Surah 48, verse 24, 
which uses the word Makkata, which is translated into English as Mecca or Urdu as Makkah. But it's not Makkah, it's Makkata. So the translation, I'm going to translate uh, for you. The surah says, Wahuwa alati kafa ayyuddinhum ankum vayadiyakum anhum bibatani makata min badi anafarakum alayim vakana alahubima ta alamuna basira. Sorry about that, but that was my Arabic for you. So the translation of this is, and he is who hath withheld men's hands from you, and hath withheld your hands from them. Um, from within the Makkah, after he has made you victors over them, Allah is seer of what you do. So he, that's God, has withheld men's hands from you. He has kept men away from you. He has kept men from teach from touching you and has withheld your hands from them. So he's he's kept your hands from touching other people. From from within the Makkah, within the soul. Because Makkah means souls. Makkah does not mean city. Makkah means souls. And after he has made you victors, that means he's given you healing over the souls. Allah is the seer of what you do. The word in the valley, most translations say it's from within the valley of Mecca, which is absolutely ignorance, because word the word for in the valley in Arabic is fi vadi. So fi vadi is within in within the valley of Mecca. But there's no fi vadi. If you go to Quran, Surat 48 verse 24 you will see there is no way there no way where it's written um fivadi so there's no question of in the valley of makkah makkah here absolutely means sores and it's talking about the sores if you get sick however the people of the book are, are mentioned 31 times most right mostly right in the first five chapters makkah finds more mentioned in the Old Testament than in the Quran, telling us that Makkah is a Hebrew word meaning souls. The Hebrews dominated the oasis of Yatrib, later Medina, um, later, and Medina was nearby. Uh, sorry, uh, the Hebrews dominated the uh, oasis of Yatrib, later called Medina, and hence they had to be in an encampment nearby called Makkah. Two, because anyone who got sick in Medina or Yatru, they would be sent to this red zone area. Um, this is what the Quranic translation of Makata should mean from within your wounds. Okay. Um, again, I hope you understand that we are talking about a seismic zone. Um, and because of that, people were sick, people were inflicted with different diseases, sores, leprosy, skin ailments, and they had no way of treating them but sending them um, away to an encampment, to a red zone, and letting them die over there. And this was the Mecca of its time. Now, it's translated as Mecca, as in city of uh, city, but it has no mention of city at 
all anywhere, 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 anywhere. Uh, and there's no maka in any book. There's makaroba in, in, in polytomy way back when, but makaroba has nothing to do with the city. I'm also going to give you um, a little topic about the Zamzam well, because people say, how come the Zamzam well is there if, if, if it's not the real Makkah? Uh, well, Zamzam well is just a label. Okay, you can call anything, any label you want. There, there is no problem with it. Uh, you can change the labels as much as you want. Okay, and the Zamzam well uh, is a label, but where does the word Zamzam come from? Um, I have to give credit to a uh, Canadian author and researcher, Dan Gibson, for this. Um, he says there were wells all over the Arabian Desert and the Sahara, which we all know, the oasis and wells. A well can be given any name. Today, the well near Ka the Kaaba in Makkah is called the Zamzam well. Uh, was this the well originally uh, named Zamzam? Well, Dan Gibson's research found only one mention of this name in Guess Where? The Old Testament. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 22 and it says but the Ammonites call themselves Zanzumites okay in Hebrew the word Zanzumites is Zamzumin Zamzumin the reference is to the people of Rephites who lived who used to live near Mount Seir which in the Roman times Mount Seir was called Petra so Petra, prior to Roman times, was called Mount Seir. There were people called the Repites who lived here. And uh, they were referred to as Zanzumim. Uh, and so therefore the well used by the Zamzam Zamzumin people came to be known as the Zamzam well. If the Zamzam well was around Petra, it made sense that the people around that geographical area joined the Islamic political movement and the customs came to be included into the um, the Quran onto their uh, included into their new movement, some of whom were even Nabataeans. Uh, Nabataeans. It's also one of the reasons why Dan Gibson and many others believe that the original direction of Islamic prayer was towards Petra and later turned towards Mecca. So I agree with Dan Gibson on this part. It was uh, the, the direction of the prayer was not uh, to Jerusalem. It was to Petra and definitely not towards Mecca. It came Mecca came only afterwards after the Abbasides. I will go further and say that Islam is a Hebrew a biblical geopolitical movement started by the people of the book in alliance uh, with Umar, um, Caliph Umar. They wanted Jerusalem, the people of the book, and the, therefore the original direction of prayer was towards the Temple Mount for them. It was Umar who wanted Petra, so there was a division between them. Hence, one will find a lot of overlapping concepts and literature from the Levant and Southern Negev deserts in the Quran. You see, most of geography in the Quran is all Levant and Southern Negev desert, which today forms part of Israel. Uh, and you see all these concepts in the Quran and you say, well, how come you have all these concepts in the Quran if the, the, the Mecca was the real place? Well, no, the original sacred city was Petra. The Zamzam well also was Petra, uh, originally known as Mount Seir. 
and it was a place, uh, it was a label given in reference to the Repites who used this area. They were known in their language as the Zamzumin Zum, 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 people. And therefore the well in this area was called Zamzum Zum, Zum well. When they moved, when uh, the Islamic movement moved towards Mecca after the Abbasid uh, Empire took over, then slowly this their well there um, then became the Zamzum well. Um, and the Abbasids were from un named after the uncle Abbas of, of Muhammad, or the man they call Muhammad. And it is said that his Muhammad's actual tribe actually lived around Petra. Okay, uh, his original tribe and his family, prior to them moving in the previous generation to, to Makkah, uh, were actually in a region around Petra, not Makkah. And they probably went to Makkah, part of them, because someone was sick and they were, uh, mm. you know, sort of taken as pushed to this encampment or to this leprosy colony to heal or to either die out. But they didn't die out. They changed the world, my friend. And today we have uh, their ancestor known as one of the big men of the planet, whether you agree or don't agree, it is a fact. And so... We'll leave that at this. Now, I um, I said I was going to talk to you about Mecca, the economics of Mecca. So, let's get down it straight. Economics. If Mecca was actually a trade route, so what you have in trade routes, okay? Trade routes means caravans passing, commerce, uh, trade and, and, and uh, trade of goods and services. Um, you have... Um, fairs, you have uh, merchants coming, you have people living there, uh, you have all types of activity, any fair, anywhere in the world. And it always has some spirituality because spirituality brings people together and they pretend they're believing in God, they're buying the goods and services for God. So it's a great site for fairs, okay? Um, and like I said, trade and commerce. Now, if there was trade and commerce, that means there was money going on that means people had money and, and the bulk of the people at least 80 percent have money and the stomachs are full now when your stomach is full whatever your opinion will not be accept will be accepted by the opposing party if two people who have the stomachs full sit down and have a conversation even if they oppose each other they will not be a problem i guarantee you that much there is no problem with people who who have their stomach full. The moment your stomach is held, is empty, then your mind starts to 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 question and and, and look for food in the other places, um, and then your you have like rent-free space in your mind. People fill you with ideologies. People fill you with knowledge. You are, are looking to to hide. You're looking to uh, use violence. You're to, looking to impose yourself. You're looking of getting money for food and putting food in your table for Tom, Dick and Harry again uh, everywhere across the board it is um, all this starts with no money okay uh, and no food on your table and then you have to go and invade you have to go and rape you have to go and steal you have to go and plunder because you need money all of this is uh, the driving factor is poverty is no money which is still exactly what's happening today it, it hasn't changed and will never change so the less the uh, activity for violence the less the violent activity uh the raiding the theft 
that means the more the economics of the area. And when there's less activity, there's more economic activity uh, and there's more security. Okay, the moment you have you have violent activity, wars, uh, plundering, uh, mafia, there's no security for your investment. There's no security for you to, uh, to, to run your commerce. So p the commerce is going to go away. That's one of the reasons we see that the ex-president of the United States of America never, won, uh, never got along with um, um, a, a Republican rival um, in the United States and who is, um, who is, um, who is now dead and gone and his name was, uh, just bear with me, I, I can't even get his name anymore. Um, Obama's rival was John McCain. John McCain has passed away and he, he died. Um, and John McCain was a third or fourth generation uh, army services veteran. And he was a, um, a presidential candidate in 2008 against Barack Obama. Even though he lost, um, John McCain always, wanted war. He was war, 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 and war. A lot of war. Uh, he always wanted to send his armed forces. He wanted to go into the, uh, send his army, the American army. Trump was against him because Trump's a businessman and Trump knows that war means no business, no commerce, no trade. If you want peace, it's not war. If you want peace, it's not spirituality. It's trade in goods and services, which will fill your stomach and automatically the, the, the currents will form its waves and balance out and there'll be peace. There'll be discussions, there'll be music, there'll be fun and laughter, but they won't, the, the, the violent activity will go to the, the least. But he could not get along with John McCain. And this is exactly what I'm talking about here. In Makkah, if this was a center of trade, there would be peace. That means there would be commerce. There would be less activity. In modern economic, less uh, mafia activity. In modern um, linguistics, economic li linguistics, you call it uh, inclusive GDP or exclusive GDP. But some people laugh, okay? I know that a lot of media people on the left, they absolutely laugh at this. They think it's stupid. I don't believe it. That's because they're, they're journalists. They're not economic, uh, economist, economist, okay? Uh, me, I majored in economics. So I'm going to tell you there is something called uh, uh, inclusive GDP and exclusive GDP. So what is inclusive GDP? Inclusive GDP, but everyone in your city or in your town, in your country, has, uh, has a job, has a way of earning a living, or the bulk of it, at least 90, 95% have uh, the, the best uh, the, the way of earning a living and putting food on the table, okay? That means your unemployment rates are low. When your unemployment rates are low, the GDP is spread over all people. So um, less uh, drugs, less violence, less mafia, because you don't need to, to, to use violence in order to, to put food on your table. However, an in exclusive GDP, that means only the top 5% get the benefits of the GDP. So GDP is, 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 is promoted between 5% between of the people control the country, 5%. And 5% and, and you say probably another 10-15% are middle class. The rest is all upside down. So when you have that much uh, of exclusive GDP, which is, few, which is what feudalism is about, 
Okay, feudalism is about only the nobles and the kings and the queens have GDP, uh, have uh, the highest, the millions of dollars, and the people below are slaves or very poor, and that's why there's mafia, there's violence, there's no security, there's no stability, and it's like a it's like a double-edged sword. The, the more the insecurity, the more the violence, the less the the commerce, the less the commerce, the the less the people are going to uh, to be involved in. Anyone's going to come and invest and have. Um, uh, uneconomic, have economic activity, which is exactly what we're talking about Pakistan right now. Pakistan has invested whole, whole scale in violence, in jihad, in every possible violent activity, and they re they have refused to invest in economics because they have invested in economics. There's no in in jihad. There is no stability. There's no stability. That means no one wants to come and invest. No one wants to come and invest. Meaning what? The country is coming down. You understand why Pakistan is coming down right now. It's the same concept. So if this was the area of trade, if Mecca was the area of trade, it would have an inclusive GDP where everyone had a piece of the pie. Uh, if there is exclusive GDP, that, only, that means only the top tier of your of your society has um, has a. Uh, um, what's what you call um, access to economics, access to trade, access to uh, wealth, the rest of your people in, the, in, in your city and the surrounding areas have to um, bear witness or indulge in um, instable activities, mafia, violent activities, rape, theft, plunder, uh, dacoits, only to fill their stomach. Uh, and this means no trade. The more you have of that, the more you have an upside-down society, the more you'll have wars, wars, and more wars. So that's basic economics for you. Now I'm going to read for you uh, a book, uh, not the whole book, obviously, parts showing you that the economic activity of the city of Mecca, okay, ever since the time of Islam, has been absolutely negligible. There's more violence here. Than, than, than economic activity. So how come it was the center of trade? If it was really the center of trade, it would not have stopped. On the contrary, it would have increased because now it becomes the most important religion in the world, the most important spirituality in the world. Um, the Arabs and Islam controls uh, the area from the Sahara, Western Sahara, almost to um, Malaysia, Indonesia. Um, so you have pilgrims coming, the more trade, the better it is. It's really, uh, it really shouldn't be an issue. Violence shouldn't be an issue. Yet, one side they they say Mecca was the the center of trade of the Middle East. It was the most important center of trade, and it was a center of trade way before Islam started. Yet, the facts on the ground do show exactly, exactly, exactly opposite. And I'm going to read you a very interesting book. We may not agree with everything, and I don't agree with everything, but it's still a very good book. The book is named Makkah. You can get it on Amazon.ca. Makkah, the sacred city, and it's written by Zayuddin Sardar. I'll repeat that. Zayuddin Sardar. He's a Pakistani uh, Britisher. Uh, was born in Pakistan and, and grew up in the United Kingdom. He was listed by Prospect Magazine as one of Britain's top 100 intellectuals. He's currently the director for the Center of Post-Normal Policy and Future Studies in, in East-West University, Chicago co-editor of Quarterly Critical Muslim um, 
and, and blah, blah, blah. So you can get many books on his site, zayudinsadar.com. And this is one of his books, Makkah. I'm going to read you some ex excerpts from this, and you will see what I am talking about, okay? So the, the book is called Makkah, um, and you will have, uh, starting on page 104, um, From early times, um, from early times, um, people of Jews and Christian, uh, everyone, Mecca was a cosmopolitan area, uh, sorry, people from all over came, um, but it was uh, during uh, the Islamic time, or should I say, um, at the pretty much after the start of the Islamic uh, era, uh, Jews and Christians were prohibited from entering Mecca. And, uh, and Medina by Mu Muawiyah, the first Umayyad Caliph. Um, this was not exactly very good. The original community founded by Muhammad in Medina had been a, a multi-religious community comprising of Muslims, Jews, Christians, and pagans. This kind of heterodoxy helped to maintain Islam's great cities. Indeed, echoes can still be uh, seen in Baghdad, Damascus, Cairo, Marrakesh, Cordoba, Tehran. Mecca was, however, was different. The closure of the city that was uh, the portal of paradise to all but Muslims implied uh, that the paradise was an, was an exclusive possession of Muslims. So if the city is closed, that means those people who came, uh, whether they came to heal themselves, uh, they came for pilgrimage, they came for whatever reason, economics from these people came to a standstill. Okay, so no economics because now you've just reduced your uh, your market scope, your 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 economic net. You've only allowed certain groups of people to come, and just because Islam had controlled this area doesn't mean everyone was rich enough to come. So really, you reduce it to practically nothing. Thus, the open and inclusive uh, message preached by by Muhammad required new connotations. Islam became an exclusive possession of the faithful, the alternative sense of Islam as a set of values by which all human beings and their works are to be judged never disappeared. It merely became a secondary addendum to the ethos exemplified by Mecca. The negative consequences of this way of thinking are alive and well today, considered how bad oppressed the Umayyads have received, especially among religious scholars. It is interesting that they had a particular legacy in closing Mecca to non-Muslims, which presages a certain closing of the Muslim mind. It was never questioned, even and even still today. Um, therefore, various groups and sects jostling for power and position in the city sought to stamp their mark on Mecca, laying an exclusive claim to the paradise, uh, paradise authenticity of Mecca that Mecca conferred. Each sect had its own place within the sacred mosque, where it prayed behind its own imam or leaders. Um, after prayers, devotees would sit down in front of a lamb identified by the color of their sect, listening to sermons and lectures, extolling the particular virtues of their particular group. By the end of the 9th century, the four schools of law had become established, and the old idea that was stored in the memory was truly known that has been replaced by the new emphasis of writing down hadith and legal uh, judgments. So basically each sect um, 
entered and wanted exclusive control of an area. There was jostling, that means there was violence within the sacred city. Violence means less uh, commerce, uh, less people uh, buying and selling your goods, less security, less stability uh, of the area. It was not unusual for different sects to overstep their territory or abuse and challenge others, the page 106 says, leading to serious disputes. Sanctity that never sanctity has never been an insurance against the depredations of the sanctimonies, a sad of the sanctimonies, a sad truth and by no means exclusive to Islam, so they're covering their tracks. Uh, around the sacred mosque, which has been battered by the dynastic battles over succession, full-scale brawls and fist fights over spiritual uh, varieties were not uncommon. On a number of occasions, the quarrels between different sects became so serious that the gates of the sanctuary had to be closed to, the, to stop brawling groups from entering. During Hajj season, every sect which which have wanted to attract attention to the pilgrims as potential followers and ambassadors to carry their teachings to other parts of the Muslim world. Um, so there was jostling, there was violence, the, the gates of the city had to be co closed. Um, other cities such as, uh, such as the port city of Jeddah received traders all year round. And Medina, where the tomb of the Prophet is located, had a constant stream of visitors. But Mecca depended almost entirely on a large number of pilgrims arriving at a particular time of the year only. The pilgrims bought, sorry, at a particular time of the year, the pilgrims bought not just religious fervor, but much needed commodities for the city's permanent inhabitants and for pilgrims. Poorer pilgrims might bring some artifacts uh, or products from home to trade to offset the expense and making the journey or en route to Mecca. Um, they might buy some crafts and utensils from villagers and Bedouins to sell for profit in the city's bazaar, as well as supplies. The city's pilgrims also had to bring their own basic necessities with them. Honey, butter, oil, olives, rice and wheat, the sole exception being meat, which they bought in Mecca. For most of the year, people lived on people of Mecca lived lived on what was bought, and from the income they accumulated from the pilgrims. During the Hajj itself, around half of the city of the inhabitants of the city acted as hosts and guides to the pilgrims, while others looked after the sanctuary, living off the pilgrims' largesse. So basically, if there was no pilgrims, there was no trade. This was not a trade route, uh, and if the the pilgrims did not uh, bring food and, and stuff from around the areas from where they came from, there would be less food in the city, uh, no trade. It basically depended on these pilgrims. Um, and, and this is basically what it was. Um, so the Hajj, however, was not a source of income for muck alone okay it says on page 108 it provided a lucrative supply of revenue for bandits and for Bedouins too uh, who would frequently attack and loot pilgrim caravans the journey to Mecca began wherever Muslims lived but caravan routes to Mecca um, coalesced as the three main hubs where pilgrims would gather in large numbers to commence their final stage of the journey for example, pilgrims from North and Northwest Africa joined the caravans in Cairo, thence they set off across the Sinai Peninsula, following the coastal plain and reaching Mecca in about 40 days. A second coastal, a second great caravan assembled in Damascus 
moving south via Medina and reaching Mecca in roughly 30 days. The third caravan crossed uh, the Arabian Peninsula from Baghdad. These caravans were like small cities on the move, all human life and all that life required was there. Apart from transport, there were traders who managed general stores, medical facilities were available. Learned men were on hand to instruct pilgrims in ways of different religious rites. Mystic scholars searching for gnosticism and knowledge abounded and, abounded and there were musicians, singers and all variety of entertainers. Most important of all, all the Maruda, Morada perspective, there were precious goods, spices, cloth, jewelry sent by the caliphs and sultans either as presents for Mecca or to be sold as profit in the city. Not surprisingly, was such a law was urgent a temptation, so much so that it was unknown for caravans to pillage each other. It was not unknown for caravans to pillage each other. So can you imagine all these caravans coming with goods and services? And there was pilfering, there was bandits, there was uh, rape... Um, Indeed, it says, among, towards the end of the 19th, 9th century, midway through the Abbasid rule, one religious sect, the Karmatians, Q-A-R-M-A-T-I-A-N-S, made a point of attacking caravans and succeeded in inflicting humiliation and bloodshed in the holy city. Like the Qajarites before them, the Karmatians um, emerged as a social reform movement among Ismailis, uh, around 870 in Syria and Mesopotamia, embracing the radical agenda motivated as such from the social discontent of its time as for from their religious journey. But just like their predecessors, they soon generate, degenerated into an extremist rule. Uh, that, my dear friend, is uh, the Karmatians around 870 in Mecca. Um, again, violence. Um, and funny, they were called, they were vegetarians. I don't know where they get that from. Um, there is more, uh, to this. So, um, when one example examines in page 111, when one examines what people have done in the name of religion, uh, I find myself thinking, uh, indeed trapped in Groundhog Day, um, says a historian as a title of the 1993 film starring Bill Murray, who constantly revives, relives one day until he learns how to break out, he must reform himself. If only life really imitated art, instead consider all the sectarian and messianic movements down the ages and across religions who re repeat the same repertoire of themselves and ideas and matter and no matter how noble the ideals end badly, messianic fervor uh, easily turns violent action, totalitarian imposition, and intolerance towards all those who do not embrace their worldview, um, and invariably from victim to violence, retribution, and society in which they exist. And this, my dear friend, um, was uh, similar to this idea of this man uh, of this film was very similar he tries to say uh, to the Karmatians and produce a, their who produce their own tale of bloodshed and opposition and oppression uh, the Karmatian cult became an esoteric society though their in 
initiation rites which all newcomers had to go to were not secret. Indeed, one could agree that the Karmatians were the first communist state in history and also one that developed strong Stalinist tendencies, although they were very, very uh, over 1300 years ago or 1200 years ago. They threatened Baghdad itself. The Abbasid generals were just able to hold them off. However, it was what they did in and to Mecca that was remembered the most. Uh, the Karmatians believed that the pilgrim to Me pilgrimage to Mecca was a pagan practice. Once they had consolidated their power in Eastern Arabia, they formed alliances with Bedouin tribes and began raiding pilgrim car caravans. Through the first decade of the 19th century, they harassed Iraqi Hajj caravans. In 1906, they ambushed a Hajj caravan from Baghdad. They massacred an estimated 20,000 pilgrims in the following decades. Their caravans from Baghdad seldom managed to arrive in the holy city without being looted. The caravan of 1925 failed to reach Mecca. Together, traffic from Baghdad virtually ceased because of the Karamatian terror. Um, in 930, uh, the leadership of Abu Tahir al-Karmati, the Karmatians, attacked Mecca itself. It was the Hajj season and the city full of pilgrims were taken by su surprise. What happened next is described um, by many uh, um, a historian, and he names one over here. I'm not going to go to it because it's, it is violent. It takes a lot of time to, to read it, but um, I, I think you get the picture um, of what this is. Um, I'm going to go through some more uh, for you. So in Mecca, um, around Mecca, there were many, uh, many sites, different, different areas inhabited by different people. Um, According to a, um, a European traveler, on page 234, it says Mecca had broad streets, lofty houses, palaces, madrasas, colleges, travelers' lodges, and public baths. The houses were built of stone and numerous windows with elaborate framework commanding views of the outside. Most of the houses were divided into apartments, separated from each other uh, to provide accommodations to pilgrims. But incessant wars and looting had taken its toll, and many of the houses built and buildings in the holy city were in an acute state of disrepair. The streets were unpaved and became muddy and waterlogged when it rained. The city had no police or administrative system to look after the citizens' basic requirements. There was no means of to light and to light the streets at night, and little attention paid to the security of the merchants. Rubbish from houses was thrown in the streets where it stayed to draw flies and vermin. Beggars, infirm, and p poor pilgrims littered the streets asking for alms and to drink uh, sweet water. The post, however, um, was regularly con collected and delivered. The Swiss scholar around found Mecca to be a highly cosmopolitan city inhabited largely by those who he called foreigners. The Quraysh, the original residents of the city, had become extinct. Um, and there were only three original uh, families, um, Quraysh families left, and, and this is in the late latter half of the 20th century. He, this foreign, this uh, this European who, uh, the Swiss scholar who visited this area. The only people in significant numbers 
who claim lineage going back to ancient times were the Sharif clans. Uh, the citizens of Mecca were, na were now f now were from Yemen, um, India, Egypt, Syria, as well as Turks and Moroccans. There were small communities of Persians, Tatars, Kurds, Afghans, and people from the Sassanid and, and Samarkand and Bukhara. Most of them had come as pilgrims, married local women, and settled in a city to do business. And each community tried to preserve the customs and traditions of its native region. New pilgrims from all over the Muslim world added to their numbers. Their natives tried to distinguish themselves from the new citizens by tattooing their faces with three long cuts down both cheeks and two on the right temple. The ritual would be performed on children when they were 40 days of age and ensured the outsiders would not claim honor of being born in the holy city. Um, one of the least respectable areas of Makkah was Shab Amir, home to a number of public women, or should I say prostitutes. Heavily decorated, they would never appear in public without a veil. Um, a substantial number were Abyssinian slaves, their former masters sharing profits of vocation. Sharib Galif imposed a tax on these sex workers, increased um, Sharif, Sharif Galib imposed a tax on these sex workers, and they increased seven, several fold during the Hajj season when their services were much in demand. So people go for Hajj, for the holy pilgrimage, and then they have sex with prostitutes. Um, in contrast, the slave market was located in a highly respectable district. Um, in Suega, the slaves for sale came mainly from Abyssinia and served as an instrument for showing off wealth. Uh, almost all wealthy Meccans and slaves, and it was not uncommon for female slaves to serve as mistresses. However, if a slave gave birth to a child, the master was obliged to marry her. However, he faced, otherwise he faced a censure from citizens. Buyers would sit on stone benches to view their goods, that means women or prostitutes. But not everyone wished or could afford to buy. Many pilgrims, young and old, pretended to bargain with the male dealers. And for the purpose of viewing the slave girls during a few moments from, an, from adjoining apartments. The main street of the city was located between the hills of Safa and Marwa in the neighborhood known as Massa Quarters, where pilgrims used to run uh, to perform the rituals of the Hajj. Um, and um, here too, um, full of shops, it's noisy. Um, it was full of Turkish shops selling dresses, fine swords, good English watches, beautifully illuminated copies of the Quran. Constantinople pastry cooks sold their pies and sweetmeats, um, roasted mutton, kebab in the afternoon. Year two, numerous coffee houses crowded from 3 o'clock in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. But coffee was not the only beverage served in two shops. Intoxicating liquors were publicly sold during night, though not in daytime. Uh, not in the daytime. One liquor is prepared from fermented raisins and usually mixed with a good deal of water, is still, but it's still strong. That a few glasses of its produce intox produce intoxicated, well, that a few glasses of its produce intoxicating 
The other is a sort of booza mixed with spices and called subai. The shops are generally magazines, uh, magazines on the ground floor of the houses before which uh, a stone bench is reared. Here the merchant sits under the shade of the slight awning of mats fastened to long bowls. The street was also home to special craftsmen, craftsmen who made tin bottles for carrying zamzam water. Um, there is also uh, an important um, part that I wanted to bring to you about. Um, there's a lot of important parts. Uh, slavery in Mecca. Um, on page 254, my friends, a series of edicts um, of uh, in Istanbul banning slavery incensed Meccans, the sublime port, uh, in common with Euro European and other nations, was wrestling with the demands of modernization in an age that become aware of civic rights uh, correctly, the great lack of civic rights for majority of people. Okay, so Europe had started giving away slavery. Africa and Arabia refused to give up slavery. Um, so it started with uh, the French Revolution, 1794, when France started giving up slavery. Uh, Europe had been struggling with granting rights to religious minorities. France led the way with the Declaration of Rights. Um, and on and on it went. However, it was not the same in in uh, in Mecca, um, to, to say the least. Um, in 1830, Sultan Mahmud II issued a firman to give freedom to white slaves. His son and successor, Sultan Abdul Majid I, thought it was a shameful and barbarous practice for rational human beings to buy and sell his fellow creatures, and issued another firman in October 1854, abolishing trade uh, of Circassian children. In 18, on 18 February 1856 came the edict known as Hati Humayum, or the Turkish Magna Carta uh, of the 19th century, which gave equality to Jews and Christians before the law and contained strong anti-slavery measures. However, slavery was part of and seen as a natural order in Mecca. It was integral to the economy of the holy city Black slaves served as bodyguards and soldiers. Circassian children were used as domestic servants. Female slaves were considered concubines and served, as um, Brookhard had noted, as mistresses for the most rich merchants. Many pious Meccans actually believed the Quran and the Prophet Muhammad sanctioned slavery. Um, they were appalled as the very suggestion that slavery should be abolished. Since slavery was mentioned in the Quran, which was timeless and eternal, they argued to slave, so slavery too had to be eternally present. Furthermore, how could one be virtuous as the Quran commanded by freeing slaves if there were no slaves to free? Uh, unfortunately, this caused a massive unrest because Meccans refused to give up slaves. Um, the edict of Hati Humayun also um, abolished a traditional notion, no, uh, notion that Jews and Christians were dhimmis or protected minorities required to pay a special jizya tax. The Ottomans now saw them as citizens equal before the law, which were which all its rights and privileges 
to all citizens. Meccans took this as a direct assault on Islamic law. Uh, and there were violent demonstrations in the city of Mecca. Scholars, Jewish, jurists, urged citizens, native and foreign, uh, to stand up against this violation of God's laws. Turks were attacked in the streets and it became impossible for them to, for residents, pilgrims and soldiers to move freely between towns. Um, Sharif Abdul Muttalib tried to restore order but failed. He thought of asking the Sultan for help but realized that Turkey's involvement in the Crimean War meant he could not expect more, much more response from that matter. Uh, he de decided to organize his own troops and impose order on the city by military means. Um, the move was misread by the Turks who saw it as a preparation against them. Uh, the matters were not helped when Turkish officials in the city was hit in the face by stone hurled um, during demonstrations. Um, so you see again, there were slaves galore in the city, sex slaves, female slaves, you name it, you got it. Um, and they refused to give up the slavery because according to them, slavery was institutionalized in the Quran. Again, this is not my, my reading. I'm just reading from a book by a Muslim, practicing Muslim. Zayuddin Sardar, a Pakistani-based, uh, British, uh, Pakistani-born British author. Uh, very interesting book. You can get it online, Amazon.com, um, and you can also get it on ZayuddinSardar.com. So that's Zia, uh, Z-I-A-U-D-D-I-N, Sardar.com. Um, I'm going to continue reading here. Um... It goes into um, the Mughal rule. The Mughals had no interest uh, in the holy city because the, the holy city during the Mughal time was um, controlled, or should I say, by the Ottomans. And the Ottomans were the enemies or um, the cousin enemies of the Mughals. They were of the same Turkish background, but they were um, competition between them. And so in order not to... Uh, to patronize their, their cousins who consider themselves, uh, you know, ca uh, caliphs uh, of the Islamic world. And the Mughals also considered themselves caliphs and they refused to patronize the holy city. So the Mughals really sent, uh, you know, a pilgr pilgrimages there. Muslims from the Indian subcontinent went to the, to the holy city, but the Mughals rarely patronized um, um, people, the... Um, uh, caravans over there that went to Mecca. Um, on page 165 of this book, Mecca, uh, it talks about um, a, um, a normal woman talking about about Mecca. She says she was even more revolted at frequency in which Meccan women contracted marriages. Up to 10 marriages were not uncommon. Um, and those who have only been married twice are few in number. If a woman sees a husband growing old or or if she happens to admire anyone else, she goes to the Sharif. And having settled the matter with him, she puts away her husband and takes herself another, who is perhaps young, good-looking and rich. In this way, a marriage seldom lasts more than two years. Not a recommendation to the Begum, a widow, uh, though she did not maintain... Um, Though did she not maintain a permanent widow's weed like her fellow monarch, Queen Victoria, who was surely the most famous grieving widow in history. 
almost all bad characters, the Begums concluded, that have give, have been driven out of India and, and found, maybe found in Mecca. So all those less than morally staunch uh, people who were driven out of India <laughs> with less morals and found themselves in Mecca. And Mecca came to be known as, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, it says, Mecca may have been wild, dreary, repulsive place, as the Begum suggests, but it's still relatively safe. Life outside the city was precarious and hazardous. The journey for pilgrims from Mecca to Medina was now almost dangerous, as during the time of the Karamatians in the 10th century, the Begum wisely decided not to go to Medina, citing long list of reasons. Um, I have very few troops and the Bedouins demand bakshish every step. The local authorities do not exert themselves to protect pilgrims, and that's why she refused to go. Um, and, and I'm going to go on. Okay, page 1267. While preparing for a journey to Medina, the Hafiz discovered that many camel drivers in Mecca were in the league of the Bedouin robbers and bandits. They led the pilgrims directly into the well-established traps and pre-planned butchery. The Sharif promised an exhort, uh, escort of ten reliable camel drivers, well-armed, and a party of slaves, strong, stout men whom he could rely on. Again, you see, there is their bandits, the Bedouins, their robbers, who lead the who who work together in tandem and lead these pilgrims into well-established traps and pre-planned butchery. That, my dear friend, is Mecca. Um, it was not just this, the pilgrims who were badly treated, but the system uh, systematically robbed both in Mecca and beyond in the Hijaj. The city seemed to be grip of of. Uh, Xenophobia, a mad campaign against Jews and Christians on page 268, it says. Um, there were no non-Muslims in Mecca itself. The Meccans went, just went to Jeddah, where Christians and Jews lived to vent their anger. There were numerous attacks on Christians in Jeddah, mostly planned and carried out by Meccans. Indeed, tr troubles between Arabs and Europeans had now become a constant feature in the life of the port, culminating in the murder of a French consul general. Um, and my friend, it goes on. Um, I'm going to read to you a little part of uh, that's remaining, and I'll conclude on this because we've only been talking for almost an hour now. Um, when the Ottoman Empire came down, okay, you had... Um, the Saudi state was was established in 1932, 1934, um, and the second, sorry, should I say the third uh, Saudi king, uh, Faisal, um, he was the first one to abolish slavery in uh, in 1962 in Mecca. Okay, the first. Um, at the same time, um, there were Islamic cooperation movements. The uh, the prominent secretariat of the OIC, Organization of Islamic Cooperation, was founded a little bit before. Um, and they had, Faisal wanted the first Islamic, uh, King Faisal, uh, wanted the first Islamic summit to be held in Mecca in 1965. But the summit actually took place after the disaster of the 1967 Arab-Israeli war in, in September 
1967. In September 1969, the, the summit did take place, but in Rabat, Mor Morocco. So the Arab world was fighting among themselves. We know that it was an Arab civil war. Uh, the Arab six, the Israeli Arab Israeli Six Day War in 1967. So this first Islamic summit wanted uh, that was supposed to be in Mecca was not held in Mecca in 1965, but in Rabat, Morocco, 1969. King Faisal wanted the second summit to be held in Mecca. Even then, it was not held. It was held in Lahore, Pakistan. In 1975, King Faisal was assassinated by his nephew apparently in an isolated act of, of revenge and um, unfortunately it, it came to an end with that. Um, so basically you see uh, not only was there um, not only were there many uh, was there violence constantly in Mecca um, but there was Massive, massive, uh, even once the Ottoman Empire fell down. It was very difficult to hold summits in this region uh, of Mecca. Absolutely difficult. Um, in the 20th century, we can look um, at, um, at, at Mecca. In 1975, fire kills 200 pilgrims in the camp in, in, in Mina. On, the, on 1979, in, on the 20th November, a group of fanatics invade and take over the sacred mosque, trapping tens of thousands of worshippers in the sanctuary. The insurgents, whose leaders declare themselves to be Mahidi, uh, control the sacred mosque for two weeks. The siege ends after the death of 255 pilgrims, insurgents and military personnel. In 1982, the second extension to the uh, sacred mosque was built. Um, in 1987, a violent clash between Shia pilgrims from the Iran and Saudi security forces in front of the sacred mosque. 402 pilgrims were killed. Uh, 1989, terrorists set off two bombs in Mecca, killing one and wounding 16. In 1990, 1426, uh, 1,426 pilgrims die in the tunnels connecting the sacred mosque of Mina. In 1997, a fire kills 343 pilgrims in Mina. In 1988, a third Saudi extension of the sacred mosque is built. Um, in 2004, 251 pilgrims are killed in a stampede during the stone-throwing ritual. Um, in 2006... 345 pilgrims are crushed to death during the stone throwing ritual. So there has been violence here, unfortunately, and uh, across the board. If you go to the entire book and you read it, and I do ask you to buy it and read it, I will guarantee you that you will see violence across the board. The board, the the um, the book clearly says that the only two periods in in history of Mecca uh, on the Islamic rule where there was peace, prolonged peace. So there will be short instances of peace in between but not prolonged the prolonged peace was 200 years um during the ottoman rule when they bought in money from outside to invest uh, in the land uh, and during the saudis where the petrol money came in and they rebuilt the whole city okay so this is something that they have done so that means only when money comes from outside is there peace because money brings investments, money brings infrastructure, money brings work, money brings food on the table and then you have peace. Like I said, without economics, there's no peace. 
uh, and so you see the rest of the entire 1450 years or 1400 years of history of Mecca uh, from Islamic times is absolute war. Now, if it was the, if there was a center of trade, would there be any uh, violence? No. If there was center of trade, would there, uh, would there be commerce? There would be peace. There has never been peace here except when funds come from outside. That means the city of Mecca and the area around Mecca cannot sustain itself economically. And given the fact that non-Muslims were not allowed to come here, it went down the hole. So this is not an economic um, high point. It is not a, 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 a place where caravans came and... and, um, and um, Caravans came and, and, and traded their goods and services. They were free-flowing trade. It is an absolute uh, lie, uh, unfortunately. Um, and it's very clear in this book. This book, again, is written by Zayuddin Sardar. You can get it on Amazon.ca. It gives you very important infrastructure, uh, very important um, information here. It also says the only sewage system of the city was made by the Ottomans. And it still stands till today. Uh, the book says, if I recall correctly, uh, modern um, modern uh, Mecca, I'm not talking of the new areas, the, the old areas, there is no sewage system. The sewage system is still the old Turkish Ottoman sewage system. And unfortunately, that hasn't changed in the old areas. Um, and Which means only one thing. There was never trade in this area. There was no trade. The caliphs never had, even Muhammad, uh, the prophet, left the area. Uh, the moment he died, they went to Medina, uh, in Medina. The caliphs then went to different areas, Baghdad, Damascus, the Levant, Jerusalem, um, India, Sindh, um, Syria, all of these places. So Mecca was never the center of anything. It was always violent there was there was violence here sharifs uh, changed hands uh, kingdoms changed hands um, uh, there was fighting there was slavery there was uh, uh, prostitution unfortunately uh, there was sectarian violence and the only two times of prolonged peace was during the ottomans when they invested money and the saudis who bought money in petrol dollars and even when the ottoman empire came down the first two um, areas of uh, first uh, two Islamic summits were supposed to be held in, in uh, wanted to be held in, in Mecca, but it was held one in Rabat in Morocco and the other in, in Lahore, Pakistan. Uh, unfortunately, it is what it is. And you can see very clearly that Mecca was not a place uh, of caravan trade. It was also, it's not in the Quran, it's only in the Old Testament. So I ask you to please verify, go to the Old Testament biblehub.c.com and you type the word Mecca, the Bible Old Testament in Hebrew, and you will get the words Mecca. You will see that it has nothing to do uh, with a holy city. Uh, unfortunately, this is um, a history of its time. Uh, the people of Mecca were treated badly, of these Meccas were treated badly, and it's in chapter Levictus of the Old Testament. And if you buy the book uh, on, on, this, on Mecca, the sacred city, you will see how the economics of this area was actually uh, never existent. Uh, very, very minor and non-existent, meaning this was not an area of caravan trade. So I hope I've given you some information. This is the first time we've talked for an hour. Uh, please share this work. Um, 
have this conversation with many of your friends, of your families, uh, have a conversation, uh, ask them to have the conversation with five other friends and so on and so forth. It is very important that you have knowledge about these areas, knowledge about these places in history, and it's the only way we can heal and the only way we can reconcile um, and not submit to slavery of these religious people or so-called religious people. In, in the meanwhile, I wish you a great uh, new week. I hope you had a great time in the weekend. Uh, please stay safe and peace to one and all.